You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. This is Sports Day for Kia. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car, they made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV. Welcome to Sports Day SA. We're back. It's on a Wednesday night. It's Paul Bonzer and with me, Premiership player with the Eagles. Yep. How good does that sound? Yep. Troy Menzel is with us. <laughs> the better-looking better Menzel, as he likes to call himself. <laughs> uh, you can be part of the show. You can call in on one 736 736 or text in. 0427154166. That's the week's open line. Discover exceptional customer service. Weeks homes. Discover different. How's your week been, Troy, so far? Mate, it's been very good. Very good. Back at training, obviously. So they're, they're running us into the ground pretty well there. But it's, it's good to be. It's good to be here for the full hour tonight. So looking forward to that. Yes, you only only did the half hour the other other week, last week. Now, with your pre-season and your knee, obviously, did your ACL. What, what, what are you doing pre-season? Well, so yeah, to me it's it's pretty it's pretty cut and dry. Um, yeah. It's pretty repetitive. So a lot of it for me is um, a lot of ropes, a lot of rowing, a lot of bike, a lot of upper body stuff. Right. So um, I think the strength and conditioning coach Ryan Ryan out there is is said by the end of preseason I should be the inverted traffic cone <laughs> or um, put on that much size. So looking forward to that. All right, uh, it's time for our hot topic. Thanks to Char Time, the home of freshly brewed tea. Thirsty at Char Time? Explore our ready-made signature drink range inspired by Char Time fan faves. Now, we've got a few hot topics tonight yep. because there's a lot going on, Troy. Firstly, tomorrow, uh, the big ODI at Adelaide Oval, England playing Australia, and we'll chat later in the show to SEN cricket expert Adam Collins. Looking forward to chatting to Colo. Um, he'll be a good chat. But news today that Pat Cummins has pulled out of the IPL, so it's quite a... That is big, big decent yeah. contract, but yep. he's pulled out to concentrate on his Aussie commitments. Yep. What do you What are your thoughts? I, I think that's fantastic. I think um, I think the Aussie schedules over, over I guess the last twenty four months has been pretty full on, um, and the IPL takes up so much time. It's, it's obviously a very lucrative contract, and I don't think Pat's really too short of a dollar to be completely honest. So um, the money fact is, it wouldn't be a major factor for him, um, and I, I think it's great, especially having the. The T20 um, World Cup just gone. You got the ODI World Cup next year. Um, having so much cricket in in such little time to to be able to have, I guess, take that time off and freshen up a bit. I think it's going to be very good, for, very positive for his cricket. Well, let's have a listen to what Andrew McDonald, coach of the Aussie side, said about Pat missing the IPL. I think it says a lot about where his focus is um, as as a national captain, um, but but also first and foremost as well a fast bowler within that Australian bowling unit. And we're seeing our fast bowlers over time make these decisions when. It doesn't quite fit into the jam-packed schedule. Um, they make a decision around the best interest of Australian cricket, so we're not, you know, we're not surprised by the decision. Um, and it's just, I suppose, been highlighted just with the retentions uh, going on in the past sort of 24 hours. So, 
yeah, I think he's conscious of looking after his body. I think he's conscious of looking at the, the future tours program and seeing what's in there. And there's some really exciting content starting, you know, with the home summer against the West Indies with the test matches and, and also South Africa. Andrew McDonald there. With Pat not going to the IPL, there is another Australian cricketer who is going to yep. nominate, and that's Cameron Green. And you would think uh, come December 23 when the IPL auction is on, um, he's going to earn a little bit of cash too. Well, you'd think so. He's he's. I mean, they're, they're hard to come by, really good all-rounders, and um, he's shown over the past 12, 18 months how good a cricket he can play short, short-term short and, and long-term. Let's have a listen to what Andrew McDonald said about Cam Green. Yeah, we take him on a journey with the, the long-term planning, um, and we've had conversations with Greeny around that, what that would look like, um, knowing the content that we do have. So, yeah, as soon as we get the Future Tours program, we can we can sit down with the players once that, the content's locked in and, and take them through that and, We'll have to consider if he does get picked up, what that looks like in terms of his training programs, overall load, um, you know, whether it's a full-time slot at the IPL. Um, you know, and as I said, like on the back of the Indian series, there'll be some decisions made there as well as to, to the players. Um, but that really comes down to Ben Oliver as the high-performance manager um, around the NOC, the, the no-objection certificates that, that are given uh, from the Australian um, cricket to uh, the IPL to allow players to play there. Andrew McDonald, the deepest voice of any Australian cricket coach <laughs> ever. Uh, it, it's a magnificent voice. Um, so, look, I, I, Cam Green's young. He is, yeah. It's an opportunity, great opportunity for him. It's going to improve his short-form cricket as well and probably his long-form as well. Yeah. He gets to play against the best players in the world. Absolutely. It is. And not only that, he'll be under different coaches, which... When you Good when point. you get stuck under the same coaches, you know you might get in a little bit of a rut. Whereas you go to a different team, new coaches, you you get to look at things in a different light, and you you know you might learn something from from that set of coaches that you wouldn't learn from a different set of coaches. So. I think from that perspective, it's really good. And you said it, he's he's young, he recovers quickly, and he's a very good athlete as well. So I think he's got all those things that go in his favour, which which will be good for him. Let's talk about the Brownlow voting. Yes. So this has come up because of the scandal yep. with uh, the betting scandal that we all know about, and there was a naughty umpire who did some things wrong, and some people are going to get in a lot of trouble for it. Absolutely. But the talk has been about we must change the voting system of the yep. Brownlow, we and and I think this falls back on the umpires. It's there's a negativity towards umpires. People love to hate umpires. There don't is, they? and it, like I mean, people people want to put the blame on someone, and the easiest people to do that is the umpires, isn't it? Like, I, or I, a coach. Yeah, the two. Yeah, well, usually the, the supporters don't like to blame their coaches. But no, you're spot on. I think like you can't you can't really. I mean, you can put the voting system into other people's hands, or you can put you know an independent panel or or whatnot. Regardless, these, the chance of this happening is still a chance of happening. Whoever, whoever votes for him, um, so I don't think you can you can take that into account to say, oh, if we take it out of the umpire's hands, then this won't happen because it still is able to happen regardless of who you do it, who you give it to. Um, and the other thing as well, it's it's not it's not like he was manipulating votes to to help his mates out who have bet on games previously to that game being sure. played. It's it's giving information after. It's happened. After so, the fact. so he has. Which is still wrong. It's it is still wrong, but he hasn't actually affected a game or the votes by doing that. So, I, d- I don't think you can put it onto umpires in that sense. And we're not going to by spreading the load to other people, whether it be media people, yep. former players. It just gives more opportunity for that to happen. It does a- absolutely. It does, and I think if you if you do spread the load, it also, I guess, 
I guess the, the integrity of the actual medal is is thrown into dispute a little bit because the more people you have voting on it, then the more opinions you have and the more subjective it is. So I think you got to keep it. You, you got to keep it. If you're going to do an independent panel, you got to keep it small and you got to keep it concise, like what the the umpires do. But yeah. I, I don't think the voting system's broken. I agree with you 100%. So we've ticked that one off. That's a win for us. Um, you can be part of the show. Text in 0427154166. Let us know what you think. Should they change the voting in the Brownlow? Should the umpires uh, not do it anymore? I think they should. Here I we think, go. I agree. Um, in tennis news, Novak Djokovic, the Joker, has been granted a visa to play in the Australian Open. It looks like that will go forward. Yes, it does. Uh, he lost his visa because he bibbed on his... Yep on his application when he came here last time. Now, normally that means a three-year suspension. Yeah, absolutely. But, I, again, I think they've done the right thing here. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree. Look, it's it's one of those ones, like, it, COVID's, I mean, it's still around, but you, you look at the, I guess, the rules we had in place 24 months ago, 18 months ago, and it's sort of come and gone. Um, and it's something that you're not really, no player's really going to go through that sort of again, the same thing. So to, to say, no, you have to wait three years for that when... I guess all the restrictions have been thrown out the window. Well, then it wouldn't. It be, was a weird time. Yeah, it wouldn't be fair to say, "Oh, we've thrown out the restrictions, but you're still not allowed back." Um, so I, I think you've got to have him back. I think it's going to be great for Tennis Australia to have him back. I think it's going to be great for ticket sales to have him back. And you want the best players competing, so you you want to have him there. He, he'll be there, and it'll be great for the tournament, especially if he plays Kyrgios, Kyrgios versus Absolutely. Djokovic in a well, semi they're, ma- they're or mates a final. now, aren't they? Yeah, it'll be, it's going to be so. awesome. It's going to be awesome. So that must happen. Yeah. Uh, there is a one-day game on at the moment. The Redbacks are taking on a WA live at the Wacker. And the Redbacks did okay. Made 266. Henry Hunt, the stand-in captain, um, 103 he made. Brought up got a nice century for him. Nathan McSweeney, 51. Uh, Jake Lehman, 37, not out. So they got to 266. And currently, looking at the screen across the room, um, WA 2 for 128 in the 23rd over. So, pretty even, Stevens. Yeah, it is. It's um, it's great to see Henry Hunt playing some really good form. He, he got the nod in the in the President's Eleven. The um, yes, the, the other Prime Ministers. Well, yeah, sorry, President. <laughs> we're in Australia, yeah, we're, mate. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> the the other week, which is great to see, and it's great to see him, you know, take over the captaincy and, and play some really good cricket. Yeah, he, t- he captained a couple of games at the end of last season. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, obviously trusted, a good player and great to see him back in form, making some, some runs because he's had a little bit of a dry patch uh, early in the season, yes. in the Shield season. So uh, he got runs in the Shield and then cut t- another 100 today. A um, little bit of basketball news. Uh, the Perth Wildcats, I don't, don't really want to do this, but I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> I don't really like the Perth Wildcats. No, we, we know that. But uh, we do need to honour this guy. Uh, Sean Rennage has had his number retired by the Perth Wildcats. He played 380 NBL games, four championships, six Gordon Ellis medals. That's the best and fairest for the Wildcats. And two NBL first team, Sean Rennage, absolute superstar of the Wildcats. The number 42 will hang from the rafters. Yeah, it's, it's a pretty good resume to have, isn't it? It is. And the, the only thing I, I don't like about this is that they are going to do it. Guess who they play next? 36ers. The 36ers yep. in Perth. So they're going to be up and about because they're retiring Reg's number. Um, but we have sported a few parties over in Perth we over have. the last we few have. years. We have. I mean, so they did get the wood on us last time over here, so hopefully we can return the favour. Yeah, we owe them one, definitely. Um, our thoughts go out to Sophie Molyneux as well. Uh, she's joined your club and she's done her ACL uh, during Sunday's game against 
the stars. And I watched this and it was just, she just bowled a ball and her leg collapsed underneath her after that. So there was nothing, again, just, just nothing in it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what makes it worse is, I mean, you saw the conditions on the weekend. It would have been nice if they came in a bit early and would have washed the game out completely and yes. it wouldn't have happened. But Sophie Molyneux, um, yeah, unfortunately for her, she's a she's a super superstar. I love the way she plays cricket. And, uh, yeah, unfortunately, that's no good. Um, more basketball news before we go to a break. Melbourne United have signed a new import. They've let, um, they've let their import go and signed it. Marcus Lee, who's 6'11 from Kentucky University. He's played in Turkey and Italy and Puerto Rico and Spain. And you know what? He's going to play against the 36ers again. Absolutely. <laughs> we just can't take a trick. No, we can't. It's a big game for the 36ers as well. They need a win to stay in touch with the, with the top of the ladder there. So, yeah. They got some. They got some tough games coming up. They do. So uh, hopefully they can get across. They, the line. they do have a couple of games in hand compared to a few of the other teams. So hopefully they can get a couple of wins on the board and climb up that ladder. All right, you can stream every NFL game this season live on NFL Game Pass. Visit nflgamepass.com. We'll take a break and come back after this. This is Sports Day SA. You're listening to Sports Day for Kia. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car; they made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV. Welcome back to Sports Day. Paul Bonds, Troy Menzel with you. And we are here all thanks to Toolkit Depot, your trade pro partner. Toolkit Depot, shop for a huge range of tools, equipment, safety gear and workwear. So you want some work boots, Troyza? I'm about you, that's for sure. That's where you get <laughs> down there and do that. Um, now, uh, let's talk World Cup because yep. it's just around the corner. It is. It is. Days away. Yeah, this Sunday, I think, first game kicks off this weekend. Let's talk about the Aussies. They take on France in their first game, 5.30 next Wednesday morning, 5.30 a.m. Yep. A.m. Yeah, set the alarms. Not sure I'm setting my alarm. <laughs> um, can, they, can they win a game? Look, it's, they've got a very tough group with, with Denmark, France and Tunisia. Um, look, I, I think they're a genuine chance against Tunisia. Absolutely. Okay. The thing is, we seem to we, – we've got a very experienced team in this year compared to previous years, a very young True. team in. But we seem to, I guess, rise to the occasion when it comes to World Cups. And we haven't had a heap of success, but we're always in those games against the good teams. We don't really seem to get blown out. Um, can we beat France and Denmark? I don't think so. The reigning champs, France, are, are going to be very strong again. And I think Denmark have got a very strong team as well. I think the better question is, Bonds, will we score? You told us during the break, we just had this quick little discussion. Yeah. So if you're going to have a wager and gamble responsibly, $6 if we do not score for the whole tournament. Correct. And goal scorer is... Leading goal scorer. Leading goal scorer is McLaren, and he's at 7 bucks. He is at 7 bucks. So... <laughs> so the smart money is on so us to not score So the smart money is on us not to score a goal yep. for the four games. Absolutely. Or three games. Absolutely. Which... Yeah, look, it's not it's not a great positive sign going into the World Cup, but hey, hopefully, um, hopefully that doesn't come true. Hopefully, there's a bit of value there. <laughs> there's a bit of value. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, uh, six bucks. Yeah, actually, actually, it is a bit of value, isn't it? Yeah, well, I don't, I don't it, mind that bet. I mean, it's it's not a bad thing if you get on it. Then the Aussies score. You're happy they scored, but if they don't score, then your bet gets up. So. Who's going to win the whole thing? Uh, look, I, I, the heart, I really want Argentina to win. Um, sorry, apart from Australia, I will say. I'd like Argentina Australia to win. Um, I, I want Lionel Messi to have some, some success internationally. I think he deserves it. 
arguably the greatest of all time. Um, and I think they've got a very strong team in this year as well. So I'm going to go with Argentina. Okay. All right. Well, I, I think Brazil. Um, but I'd love to see the Poms do well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think I they, they had their shot four years ago and, and couldn't get it done. But I think they'll be up there. We do have some audio from Craig Foster, who is the soccer expert in this country, or football expert if you're a soccer fan. Of course, what... you know, when any national team uh, engages in an international competition, we're all fully behind them. They demonstrated against Peru. I think, you know, when there were many doubters around the country and confidence was a little bit difficult to find, they demonstrated a capability of getting past the fifth base uh, South American team, which was an incredibly difficult challenge. You know, I was delighted to see the, the, the coaching and the decision-making and even the courage of Graham Arnold on that occasion, particularly with what he did with Matty Ryan and Andrew Redermayne. So they have the capability. Craig Foster knows a lot more than we do, but he's, he gives them a silly chance to perform okay. Yeah, he does. And and it's hopefully see as well, Riley McGree and Craig Goodwin, two, two Adelaide boys who have been yes. playing some very good... Very good soccer, Craig, in, if Adelaide United and Riley over in Europe. So let's hopefully see one, one, if not both of them, get a get a start for Australia in the World Cup. All right. Now, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. Eagles training has started. Uh, yes. Is there any, um, I guess, guest appearances out there? Any new players? Maybe a small forward who used to wear some tri-colours? Yep. Has he been running <laughs> around out there? Yeah. Well, you slash returning. We did. Um, we were graced with the presence of Jimmy Rowe on, on Monday night. Um Fantastic to, to see him back out. I mean, he's obviously nominated for the draft for yes. his for his sake, and um, hopefully he does get picked up again. Agreed. If not, it, it will be great to have him back at the club. It's it's good to see Jimmy. He um he rolled in Monday, and he we split into three groups. I was I was on the side doing my rehab, just watching along, and Jimmy decided to jump in the um the conditioning group first up, the running group, and it was that's that's six. Six reps, I believe it was, of, I think, a minute on, 30 seconds off, something like that. Nine, yeah. 90 on 30 off, I think yeah. it was, Bonds. Um, and he jumped up the front with Jimmy Tumpus. He's in very good nick and did the four, first four um, reps with him. And I look, look over and I don't see Jimmy running. I was like, where's he gone? And he's, he's ducked off into just the, the kicking group. He's done four <laughs> reps and gone, yeah, that'll do me, boys, and decided to duck off to the kicking group. But it gets better. It does. So, so he just he just went. That'll do me and slid yep, off. Just had enough. Thought first night out here, four four reps is enough for me. You boys finish off. I'm going to go kick. <laughs> so he decided to go over kick, and I was like, oh, fair enough. Come off the list if that's what you want to do. Um, go back to do my rehab. Look over about 15 minutes later, and who do I see leaning over the fence on a phone call? Jimmy Rowe. While the other boys, surely are, not. While the other boys are, are still training away, he's just decided to take a couple of personal phone calls. So. Easing into it is probably the way I would put it. Easy, Jimmy Rowe easing into training. Don't expect, don't Eagles. expect anything less from him. And if you uh, think about recruiting him, a fantastic player, Jimmy Rowe, <laughs> but just keeps his phone in his footy sock. Uh, obviously, <laughs> it might have been a very important phone call. Yeah, we should. We, 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 we don't, don't know. know. Could have been recruiters. We, it could have been recruiters, yep. and therefore take that call, Rowe. Uh, oh, that's that's outstanding. <laughs> but we've only got a minute or so left. Um, I wanted to ask you about Mick Malthouse. Yep. Yep. And, and like we hear all these stories about Mick. Yeah. Yep. What's your your go on on My Mick? take on him? Your so, take on him. That's the word. Yeah. So I I got along really well with Mick. I, I'm probably one of the few in my time at Carlton who who had positive experience with him. I clicked really well with Mick. He he taught me a lot, and he has he has extremely ex, like an amazing football brain. The way he see things, he he explain things to you. And you go, geez, I would never think to look at that way, but. I will say he did have some different methods. Um, I, I remember a couple of times we'd have our day off on a Wednesday, on a Thursday, 
during the week and we'd get a call, we'd get a message, oh, I want everyone into the club and might have had a bit of a down month or so and we get called into into the meeting room and Mick goes, all right, we're watching Saving Private Ryan or, or we're watching this old war movie and <laughs> we'll just have to sit there and watch the war, war movie and go, go home and, and take whatever you need to take out of that and sort of just his his way of, of I guess, um, liking us to, to, to warriors on the battlefield. So... So I, a lot of guys walked out there going, I don't know what to take from this, but it's some interesting methods, Mick. But fr- from my experience, very positive. Well, maybe we'll get uh, more of that out, more from you later <laughs> next time you're on the show. The eight-seat Kia Carnival. It's a grand utility vehicle. After the break, we're going to talk to SEN cricket expert Adam Collins. Colo is going to join us here. Um, and, yeah. Can't wait to talk to him all about cricket tomorrow night, Adelaide Oval. This is Sports Day for Kia. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car. They made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV. Welcome back to Sports Day SA. You can be part of the show on the Weeks Open Line. Discover exceptional customer service. Weeks Homes. Discover different. Text in 0427 154 166. Paul Bonzer and Troy Menzel with you. Now, Troy, we've got a very special guest, one of our... One of our SEN team uh, from SEN Cricket, it's Adam Collins, and Adam's brought to us by Tire Power, brands you can trust like Maxxis Tires, big holiday sale on now. Adam Collins, welcome to Sports ASA. Great to be back on, guys. Now, uh, first, before we get in talking about uh, the big game tomorrow night at the Adelaide Oval, let's get your thoughts on the T20 World Cup and and how you thought it all went, and and, uh, not so much the Australians' performance, but overall the tournament. Yeah, look, I think it's the most successful T20 World Cup that's ever been staged for, for a host of reasons. First of all, uh, the competitive tension across from night one when Namibia beat Sri Lanka all those weeks ago down at Kedidia Park, um, Ireland beating England, the Netherlands knocking out South Africa. Um, it's been a closer World Cup than we've experienced in this format before, which I think reflects the fact that it's moving to a 20-team tournament in two years from now, and it's ready for that. So... Yeah, sure. At the end of the day, you get the semi-finalists of Australia, or not Australia, actually, rather New Zealand, who have always been there in the final four in recent tournaments with Pakistan and, and India with England. Australia missing out, of course, in Group 1. So it's the, the big dogs get there eventually. But the route we took there, and also the fact that it rained weirdly helped that. And I'll explain why I mean that. It might sound like a strange comment. Um, had the Australia-England game not been rained off, uh, it would have meant that one of those two sides were eliminated inside the first week of the Super 12 stage. Because it was rained off, we had that tension all the way until the final day. So all's well that ends well on that front. And even though the attendances weren't huge for the Australia Games, far from it, uh, my, my sense watching the, the tournament more broadly is that it was watched around the world and, and nights like uh, India against Pakistan at, at the MCG, for those who were there, wanted to get it. Now, Colin, you, you, you spoke about a couple, like, a couple of those sides with Namibia and Ireland. Um, knocking off some big countries. You also saw West Indies actually miss making the Super 12 and, and Netherlands having a couple of good wins in there as well. So do you see not only Absolutely. just T20 cricket in a healthy state, but what about international cricket in general in test cricket and one-day form? Yeah, it, it's a really interesting question. I think that in some ways we're at the crossroads with nations who have been involved in the one-day World Cup Super League, which is unfortunately coming to an end at the end of this particular World Cup cycle. What it's meant is that Nations like the Netherlands and Zimbabwe and Ireland have played loads of bilateral cricket against countries that simply do not host them normally unless they have to. So take Zimbabwe. They played a series in India and a series in Australia this year. Would have they got those opportunities if not for the fact that there's that organising structure of the one-day Super League? Probably not. So it's been a good couple of years on that front. But when that goes at the end of 
this year. That, that'll, that'll, I'm afraid, set things back a wee bit. Uh, and also there, there's the difficult situation that Test Cricket finds itself in with uh, scheduling and there being more and more time allocated to T20 domestic competitions, not least the IPL. It's moving from, I think, 74 games to 84 games to 94 games over the next five years. And you know what that'll mean. And you see that alongside IPL franchises gobbling up sides in South Africa, in the UAE. That'll extend, I'm sure, to England with the 100 and maybe even Australia if private equity is allowed into the Big Bash. And I'm sure that the first group of owners trying to get in on that will be from the IPL. And we've already heard of players who might be in a situation where their IPL franchise uh, contracts them for multiple years rather than their country. So it's going to take some getting used to, and, and hopefully there'll still be a way that Test cricket can thrive uh, in that in that framework. But it's going to take a little while to settle down, I think. So do you see just T20 dominating world cricket for the next five five years or so? Look, not in the very short term because the World Test Championships there, and I mentioned the World Cup Super League for 50 over cricket a minute ago. That's still there for Test cricket, and we should hold on tight to that because. If we lose it, I'm worried about what will happen. But it's been guaranteed by the ICC for at least this cycle and the cycle after that in the Future Tours program, which came out uh, a couple of months ago. So for the next five or six years, we should be okay. What I'm a little bit worried about is what what plays out after that when the ICC no longer have an organising structure around Test cricket and around one-day cricket, and it goes back to the discretion of host boards. At that juncture with the proliferation of T20 domestic cricket, those leagues I mentioned before, the added influence of uh, owners coming from the from the IPL, which is obviously so powerful around the cricketing world, that might create an entirely new dynamic thereafter. So in the very short term, things will feel roughly the same. In five or six years' time, they could feel an awful lot different. Yeah, absolutely. And we will move on to the, the ODI form. The, these three next games, England v Australia, how, I guess, coming off the back of the T20 tournament, how important do you see them being? Uh, look, I, I, I take the view of Bowen Ali, uh, who's a world champion in the T20 format. I, I hear what he's saying about the frustration of this series, and I, and I respect that. Look, uh, at the end of the day, they're still playing for their country, but they just played in a World Cup final three days ago, and this is part of the problem with scheduling that I mentioned before, this congestion that's there around the 12-month cycle. There's no such thing as an off-season anymore. Cricket's a dreadful sport for finish lines, and that's shown no in, in no more uh, focused than, than the last couple of days. They had to move states, move formats, and go again. And that's been, like, I guess it used to be you played in a World Cup. It was like playing in a grand final in footy. You had some time to decompress or you played in a, in a test series and there was a bit of a break before the white ball stuff. Now, it's just a treadmill. So, look, these one-dayers are there for the right reason, that being the World Cup Super League uh, isn't part of this, but the World Cup itself is next October, and they're shifting attention from T20 cricket to 50-over cricket. Australia plays 17 one-days between now and the World Cup starting in, in India next October. But the problem they've got is it feels like these are just tacked on. It does feel a little bit like these didn't need to happen, and it does feel like we've just stepped out of a World Cup. So uh, there are some headwinds as well. Talking with cricket expert, SEN cricket expert, Adam Collins. Now, Colo, Travis Head, uh, a bit... Being a bit South South Australian flavour here, Travi uh, going to open the batting, uh, taking over from the retired Aaron Finch. Uh, is this is this the right move for the Australian team to have, try Travis Head at the top? I'm actually really excited about this. I mean, remember where Travis Head uh, first got his opportunity in the one day side? It went really well. The first eighteen months or so, he became one of the most important players in that side, and that included 
a big century at Adelaide Oval in a huge partnership on Australia Day going back to 2017, I think it was. And he played in the Champions Trophy and looked excellent there in 17. But by the 19 World Cup cycle, he found himself out of favour and out of the squad entirely. And he made an enormous amount of runs for the, for the, for the Redbacks in the years that have passed since where he's been uh, top of the, the runs around the country in the 50-over format. He's really banged the door down. And if you're going to try and find a spot for Travis Head, why not put him up the top with David Warner and give them the chance over the next nine or ten months to consolidate that partnership ahead of the World Cup? It feels like an experienced player. He's shown he's got the ability to be a match winner for Australia. I mean, he was the player of the Ashes last year, wasn't he? With that Correct. Yeah. extraordinary century at, at Brisbane and what turned out to be a pivotal 100 at Hobart as well under lights in tough conditions. So he has done it for Australia before as a test player. Um, he has done it for Australia before as a white ball player. And it feels like he's getting this opportunity with Aaron Finch retiring at the perfect time to make that opening position his own. So, yeah, sometimes the cards fall your way. And it feels like, what Travis said, they have done so here and he gets a great run of it. Yeah, absolutely. And I know there'll be a few heads uh, going out to Adelaide over tomorrow to, to watch him debut. One more on team selection. We heard about the uh, Glenn Maxwell freak, freak accident with his leg. Who, who do you think comes in for him? Yeah, look, I, I think... Look, they're, they're spoiled for choice when it comes to all-rounders in this squad. Marcus Stoinis would be first cab off the rank. They've got Cameron Green, who batted splendidly against New Zealand in their bilateral series. It was about three months ago. It feels like three years ago up in the top end there. Uh, of course, so much T20 cricket that's fallen after that. It feels like a long time since they were playing in the 50-over stuff. And, and, of course, they also have Mitchell Marsh in the squad. Now, I know Glenn Maxwell is, is more than just an all-rounder because he offers so much flexibility to that, that batting lineup. But uh, if I were guessing, I think that Smith and Labashain will bat three and four, Stoinis five, and then you've got flexibility at six, whether it's Mitchell Marsh or Cameron Green, and then you move into Alex Carey batting at seven, uh, and then you, you, you're set and forget three quick. Dark and Hazelwood are all picked for this series, and Adam Zampa, the leg spinner. So they're a pretty experienced, balanced side. You, you could argue that they're almost too stable. By that I mean this probably is the time of the cycle you want to try a couple of new things, and I suppose that that might be Travis Head up the top. But other than that, it's very, very similar to the one-day sides you've seen Australia field over the last three or four years now. Speaking of new things, Pat Cummins captains his uh, first ODI for Australia. Do you think much will change in the way they go about things? Will will we notice anything from Pat Cummins different to Aaron Finch? Maybe not to the naked eye, but we shouldn't underestimate what a big big effect it'll have changing captains in that one-day side. Aaron Finch did it for a... A full four-year cycle. You don't see the captain often on the side for that long uh, in the volatile nature that is white ball cricket. But Finch was a mainstay uh, and his retirement is, is important. And we shouldn't sort of uh, pass over that like it's not a big deal because he knew how to get the best out of his players. He knew the rhythm of white ball cricket as far as captaincy is concerned, which is very different to captaining test cricket, which Cummins has done over the course of the last 11 months. So I'd expect there will be some teething pains or teething issues on the, on the way through. It's only natural. But in saying that, we thought it would be the same for Pat Cummins last year when he took over the test side and they hammered England. They would have won 5-0 if not for the rain in Sydney. So, um, and they won, of course, in Pakistan under Cummins as astute leadership too. And he's a, he's a bright guy. He's an experienced guy. So I'm sure it won't take him too long to, to get settled in the chair and you know, 17 matches in this format between now and the World Cup. He, he should be perfectly set by the time they reach India next October. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess you spoke about the timing of these of these three games and I guess the importance of it. So I guess from you, what are you looking forward to seeing from the Aussies over the next three games? What, what's important to take out of this? 
I think it'll be about those guys who aren't the most the most uh, set and forget guys on the on the team sheet. So, is Cameron Green going to be a three format player for Australia? I mean, I, I think we all assume he's going to be, but here's his chance to to get himself into not only this eleven but maybe into a World Cup squad. He's a player like Marcus Stoinis, who's blown a bit hot and cold in 50 over cricket across his five or six year journey in the side. Can he really make that position his own? And with Maxwell not there, how will he go as the kind of finisher coming in inside the last 15 overs? Of course, we know he can do it. The question is, can he do it consistently enough that he'll be uh, the obvious choice for India next year? We've already talked about Travis Head. I suppose the big three quicks to an extent. I mean, uh, we heard from George Bailey, the, the chief selector, a couple of weeks ago saying that they'll look to move on from, probably look to move on from Cummins, Hazelwood and Stark as white ball cricketers after the next 50 over World Cup. There was some reporting around that. Um, but in the short term, they really want those three to get them all the way to that World Cup, which makes sense to me. I mean, all of them have been World Cup winners uh, before. In Hazelwood and Stark's case, they both played in the 50 over World Cup victory all the way back in, in 2015. So they're, they're, they're proven winners as 50 over cricketers, but they are getting older. Uh, can they uh, string together four, five, six games on the trot? And if they can't, who will be their backup bowlers? Will we see some variation in this series? So... You know, will we see Sean Abbott get a chance, who's been exceptional whenever he's seemingly been given an opportunity to play for Australia or, or take the step up? I'd like to see Sean Abbott given a chance against England across the next three games, for example. So, yeah, it's mostly about how they can um, how they can tweak this current side to make sure they have the right 11 uh, building towards the World Cup next year. It's all roads for India now. Now, Carlo, I'm, I'm a little bit jealous of you and where you're sitting tomorrow night. You're sitting next to the great man, Jared Waitley, and some of his commentary <laughs> has been elite, even going back to the first game where that is a shot of an emperor when Coley hits, hits the ball <laughs> down the ground. Uh, what's it like working with Jared? Uh, well, he's an exceptionally... Well, he's brilliant, obviously. Uh, the way he has... The command of the English language is second to none in our caper, so it's a great learning experience working with him. He's incredibly supportive for someone like myself who's been coming through with SEN over the last few years. He always gives me um, you know, plenty of opportunities to develop uh, with him and underneath him. And he's, I think his best quality is drawing uh, everything he can out of the summariser he's sitting next to. I think that you listen carefully to the way he, he works with those summarisers and those experts. And he, he makes sure that they become the star. He's almost deferential to uh, the people he's working with to ensure that he squeezes the sponge and, and they and they can tell their stories and they can give their insights. So, brilliant facilitator. Um, there's no one better at calling the big moments. And, yeah, we're uh, privileged to have him leading the SEN team. Yes, we are. Yeah, spot on. He's one of the best, isn't he? Now, last one, Kyle. I just want to get your take on who wins tomorrow night. Uh, well, I think that England will likely be still in party mode uh, even now. <laughs> I know that 11 of the squad who are here, if you include a couple of the guys who are on the subs bench for the World Cup, will be part of this side. And they've had every right to let their hair down since the final in Melbourne uh, late on Sunday night. So, uh, look, I, I would be surprised if Australia lost on that basis. Also, England are missing a number of their first-choice players because they're, they're over in Pakistan. So, I know Ben Stokes has retired, but... Joe Root's not here, um, Harry Brooks not here, Liam Livingston's not here, Wilt Jacks isn't here. They're all uh, in the thinking for England's first choice 50-over team at the moment. And they're all uh, with the test squad in Pakistan, Mark Wood as well. So um, they are, I wouldn't call them England B, but it's certainly not England's first pick side because of their um, scheduling conflicts. So all of that considered, even without um, someone like Len Maxwell, I'd be surprised if Australia didn't enjoy some success over the next week. 
Appreciate your time, Colo, and have a fantastic call tomorrow at the Adelaide Oval. A pleasure, guys. Have a nice show. Adam Collins there from the SEN cricket team. Uh, he chats well, doesn't he, Troy? He's he a good does. chat. Speaks very well. Knows a lot about cricket and uh, really enjoy his commentary on SEN cricket as well. Now, Troy, what's your tip for tomorrow night? Yep, I think I think I think the Aussies do get it done. I think um, England England won't be at their best considering the the past week they've had. I think um, I'm not sure if anyone really knows Adelaide Oval under lights better than Travi Head. So I think he's going to come out and he's going to he's going to put on a great performance and he's going to I guess justify. Um, his, his selection on the top of the order. So I'm going to say the Aussies, and I think Travi has a very good game. I agree with you. Travis had 100. Now, Troy, I've got to sp- we're going to talk about a fairly sensitive topic here. Isaac Humphreys from Melbourne United, former Adelaide 36er, has came out, come out today and um, sort of announced to the world. I don't know if announced is the right term, but uh, he's said that he's a gay man and he's, he's proud of being a gay man and that he's had some struggles with it over his career over the last couple of years. Um, and he, he, Melbourne United did a really fantastic job of portraying this on social media. So let's have a listen to that at first, and then we'll have a chat about it afterwards. Uh, look, this is going to be probably one of the hardest conversations I've ever had in my life. But life's about doing hard things and learning from them and making a difference through those hard times. So bear with me, Um, but I have some things I wanna fill you in on and let you know about myself and and my future. A few years ago, I fell into a very dark place, a very lonely place. I couldn't be who I am and, and I attempted to take my life. And the main reason behind me becoming so low and and being in that point is because I was very much struggling with my sexuality and coming to terms with the fact that I'm gay. And I hated it about myself. I was disgusted at myself. I thought that I could not be that person within our environment, within a basketball environment. And it wasn't until I was in a community that's full of pride and happiness and joy and it was a big wake-up call for me. But then came the big, you know, question mark of how do I be a basketball player and how do I join a new team when I've finally come to terms with this about myself and I don't want to hide who I am anymore. I decided that if I'm going to join a team that I'm going to come out publicly and just... just make sure people know... Sorry that you can, you can live and you don't have to hide just because you're an athlete. But I do want to say, you know, like we as athletes, as professional athletes, we have a responsibility to set examples for people. And the truth is there are so many people in other worlds that are struggling every single day and don't know how to get up, don't know how to exist, and I know how that feels, and I want to represent those people. That's my goal behind this. Uh, make sure people know that you can be whatever you want, no matter who you are or what you do. You can be big ice and be gay, and you can still be a great basketball player and be gay. You can do whatever you want. It has nothing to do with your sexuality or who, who you are or who you're meant to be or who you're expected to be. I just want to 
I just want to be myself. I've discovered this is my purpose in life, and I'm going to give it my best go. Isaac Humphreys from Melbourne United. Um, hats off again to the Melbourne United Basketball Club for doing it that way and for Isaac for wanting to portray it in a way where people hear it and people get the message. Uh, it was a pretty pretty intense, wasn't it? It is pretty pretty raw, pretty emotional. And to be honest, pretty inspiring when you listen to that. Um, it's taken him a lot of courage to, to come out and do that and, and he's obviously in a place now where he's, you know, he feels... He feels comfortable and he feels he's got the right people around him where he can come out and, and um, I guess, be comfortable in who he is, which is fantastic. The thought of him taking his own life mm. because, of, because of his sexuality, it's, it just goes to show we should never just gloss over these things. Absolutely. And I think that it's important that he, – like, he, he obviously feels it's important for him to come out yep. that way and so other people in – that are in his position that he was a couple of years ago, can go past it, move on, and move forward. Yeah, definitely, and 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 it's that's that's a big thing. Like you you, you hear that there, and, and there's there, there will be other people in who go through the same situation, same scenario, and and for him to to come out and and have the courage to do that of, of being the the first openly gay NBL player, it's 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 a good stepping stone for, for others to know that it is okay. Yeah, and we wish him all the best, except uh, not to, not tomorrow night against the thirty six. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, if you are if you are having issues, uh, don't forget Lifeline is the phone number to call one three eleven fourteen one three eleven fourteen Lifeline. If you're having any issues at all, they're the people to call and they'll help you through. Um, the general manager of the NBL, Jeremy La Liga, had his say on it as well. Yeah, I really hope so. And uh, you know, it's, it's such a brave thing to do to be the first at anything. Um, but I think Isaac has sort of breached a new frontier and was going to make it so much easier for those who follow in his footsteps. And we love to see that. I mean, uh, we, we saw it with Josh Cavallo in the A-Leagues earlier and, um, and, and now with Isaac doing the same in the NBL. I hope it makes that decision so much easier for so many other people out there who might be grappling with the same decision-making process. And Letting the people know that um, you are who you are—it's um, it, a—I don't know—it was a very empowering feeling mm. when I saw him um, make those statements in that video, and um, I think not just empowering for him, but it will be empowering for others as well. Now, I hope we get to a point, Troy, where this—we don't have to do these videos. Yeah, like absolutely. it's just accepted. Yep, it is part of the way we live. Yeah, no, I think he touched on it really well there with the comment of to to make it easier for the for the next guys, you know, coming forward and and that that's a thing. Like you, you look at you look at I guess specifically in in women's sport, it's so widely accepted for for someone to be gay in in women's sport. So why is it not accepted in in male sport as much? Yeah. So I, I think that's where we've got to get to a level where it is it's it is just widely accepted. And and that you're right. The women have been on the front foot uh, through all their sports, and you only have to look at the AFLW with the pride jumpers and the pride flags at every Absolutely. game. Yeah, uh, I think they do it very well. And uh, once again, congratulations to Isaac Humphreys and the Melbourne United Basketball Club. Um, bad name for a basketball club, but <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's uh, no. Well done to uh, all involved there. It was it was fantastic. Um, now. 
You can rely on your local Repco authorised service centre for expert car service. Book online at repco.com. All right, we're a bit flat now, but I want to bring the bring us back up yep, and all, all our listeners back up. Um, I've got the quote of the day. Now, normally okay. my quote of the day, I give the quote of the day. Yep. Uh, today it's come from a very special man that is inspirational to a lot of people in our generation and uh, that is Mr Rocky Balboa. Let me tell you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place, and I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward, how much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, now go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. There we go. Come on, Troy. Oh, tell you what, might, might have to leave the car in the city and run home after you get that, Ah, The great man, Rocky Balboa. If that doesn't get you pumped up on a Wednesday afternoon, all ready for the cricket tomorrow. No Sports ASA will be live from the Adelaide Oval for the one day Australia playing England. And good luck to Travis Head as well, opening the batting for the Aussies. And we'll be back on Friday with more Sports ASA. You're listening to Sports Day for Kia. Kia didn't just make an eight-seat family car, they made a grand utility vehicle. Kia Carnival GUV. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.